You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Sid Talk. What? We were just being quiet for 10 seconds, weren't we? Yeah, and the last thing you said to me was, I'll tell you when you can talk, which is kind (laughs) of like, not, not. I understand the context of the situation, (laughs) not a sentence that I respond well to. I'll tell you when you can talk. (laughs) Yeah, right. Good luck. Mm -hmm. Outside of this situation, good (laughs) luck with that. I will see how that works out for you or anyone else. So what was your before the after the show discussion? What were we saying? Nothing. We weren't having any discussion this time. Our marriage is falling apart. True. true. <laughs> so, no, your marriage is really solid when you can sit in silence and not feel forced to speak to one another. What was it talking about? Nothing. No, nothing. You were telling me about your thing you were watching. And, and some I said, snow is coming. I said a lady, a very nice lady, has bought two of my original drawings off of Etsy, which is awesome. So you were having the before the after the yeah. show discussion with somebody else. No. The lady. I was telling you. Over email. No, I was telling you that she was, and then you were telling me about your podcast. We weren't actually talking to each other. We were talking at each other. Correct. <laughs> Another feature <laughs> of a 14-year marriage. Lovely. So, this is after the show. What's after the show, Sid Talk? It's where you and I get together and talk every single Saturday about a movie that we just watched and we're married to each other. But it's mostly a movie review. <laughs> <laughs> no, mostly we're married to each other and we do a movie review. So. And later we'll talk about other stuff. So, if this is your first time... Later, there will be discussion of supper, dinner, supper, cooking, cake, video games, video games. What I will have you some advice for you, some really life changing advice. Don't fast forward to the end. Just listen to everything. <laughs> listen to it all, and in the end, you will get totally inspired. All right. So this is Saturday, March the first. We're in March already. Ooh, it's going quick. No, it isn't. And this is after the show number 316. The movie we're looking at this week is the Blu-ray release of Thor The Dark World. It was released on Tuesday, so you can pick it up now. It's rated PG-13. It's from our friends at Marvel and Disney. And Sid Talk, are you going to give us a synopsis (laughs) of Thor The Dark World? I think there should be a rule about this synopsis thing. It's Thor. It's a Marvel freaking movie. It's Based a superhero. I understand. That's what I'm saying. The universe exists out there for all to know about. If you're listening to this podcast because it's a review of Thor, you already know what it is. It's Thor, the dark god world. of thunder, whatever from the universe. God thingy. of thunder. No, they're not in the universe. I don't know. Parallel thing in the realm of whatever. And his brother Loki, who's sort of a naughty and a woman on Earth. Who is the Queen Amadella <laughs> and some science and Doctor Who? One of my favorite characters of all time, though, uh, is the guy who can't see anything, but he sees everything and everybody. Daredevil, kind of no. <laughs> <laughs> you mean oh, the Cap- Watcher? My Captain X or whatever his name is, Professor X. Get. <laughs> yeah, like, not Professor X either. You mean Heimdall, don't you? Heimdall, by yes. Idris I seriously, I would like a movie just about him. Yeah, and his. Kind it's of whatever that. they are that they can just see all trillions of beings at one time. But that's not what the movie's about. No, it's Thor, the yeah. dark world. If I you've been that... living under a rock or a hammer, if you have to have been living under a rock or a hammer to not know what or Thor is. Or in Lily Hammer. Maybe they don't know what Thor is either. No, they do. Okay. They're, they're Norse people, I think. <laughs> you reckon? I'm that guy from The Sopranos. Okay, off on a tangent. So, Thor, the dark world. Um... The original Thor, we um, didn't review on this show, but I did purchase it and we did watch it uh, a while back. Um, and we're, I'm a fan of the Marvel movies, I can definitely say that. We've seen all of them so far, up to date. And uh, the original Thor, I quite liked, but I did have a complaint about it. And my complaint was, there wasn't enough Asgard, and there was too much Earth. What's Asgard? It's, it's Thor's home planet. Okay. But um, there was... Little of that and very a lot of Earth. And um, and your I, comment was, I've seen Earth my whole life. I want to see Asgard. Yeah. But, but there was some fun to be had with Thor coming to Earth because it was the fish out of water scenario. And, and there was some comedy sure. that was played out through that. And I, I enjoyed that a lot. I thought it was really good. But I really wanted to see Asgard and that's all I kept thinking. Oh, more Asgard. And there was a little bit at the beginning of the first Thor, but 
then it goes to Earth the rest of the movie. Now this movie, it kind of reverses that up. And most of it takes place on Asgard. And some other places. places. Yeah. Um, and I really, really liked it for that. I think it, but really I, it was Iceland. Yeah, I think it <laughs> felt more Thorish, bigger, and what I came up with a phrase for this movie, and my thra- fr- phrase for this movie is, it is like Thord of the Rings. <laughs> because. And I love you so much <laughs> that that's really funny. Because it feels like Lord of the Rings in a lot of parts. Uh, you know, dark mm-hmm. elves and, you know, the, just the, the scenario feels like that. Not um, just the dark elves though. No, just the, the weapons, vibe of the it. clothes, yeah. the Vikingishness. But, funnily enough, the medieval. And I like the Lord of the Rings movies. This is kind of better than them. <laughs> it's done better, like it. Definitely done better. Yeah, like it feels right. Like we, I often have complaints with Lord of the, Lord of the Rings. It, um, we've said the CG's a bit, in this, I really liked all of it. They make it look good, and I like the way they imagine the bridge and the so watch you're again. Superficial, what you're saying? No, I just I can't get past some of them weird things in Lord of the Rings. Every time I watch it, I'm like, oh. You mean bad special? Yeah, the bad special yeah. effects. In this, there isn't any of that. Re- a little bit. There's some mind blowing moments in this movie. I was amazed. The part where the ships um, come into Asgard. Yeah. That part, that whole sequence. You mean the that one? Where it, where it, yeah, you know, yeah, where it, yeah. it's cloaked. That whole scene. It was like something from Star Wars. It was amazing. I, I didn't expect that at all. How does that, what do you mean, like Star Wars? Like in quality or like they stole the vibe? What are you talking no, about? No, it just, it, I didn't expect. So Star Wars isn't the height of special effects quality. I mean, it reminded me of like the Star Wars prequels. It, it, it had that kind of vibe, like the, like the city that Queen Armadillo was in and the ships like coming. Said. Yeah, you know. So, um, and I really enjoyed that and that whole sequence was like, wow. I, I didn't expect that. It came out of nowhere for me. I knew something like that was going down, but not in that big scale. And it's huge. Um, so the special effects in this are like really good. Really like, they've, you know, Marvel are really I hate to say taking it up a notch or all. Don't say it then, because I'll have to. But you know what I mean. If our marriage was shaky before, and you start saying shit like "take it up a level," it will be on shaky ground. And shakier um, ground. And I liked the story, yet it still feels very comic booky. It's a little bit shallow. The story in in this. Um, Well, anytime that you have. Somebody or something that wants to either rule, dominate, or change the world slash universe for their own purposes. And then you have somebody who can possibly defeat them. And then a love interest. This isn't a new story. No. And it doesn't matter. It just depends on how you wrap it up. Like, the packaging of the thing is what matters. Because I don't mind the story. I feel like it's it kind of, you know, the father-son thing I like, and then there's the brother-brother thing, there's the love story of the two different people from two different worlds, which doesn't really get addressed as much as I was afraid it would, so it was good. I was glad they kind of kept away from that. And then I like just just sort of the, it kind of plants a seed in your mind about, because it said before there was any light, the universe was darkness. Right. And these dark elves come from then, and I think, oh, I want to see that movie. What the hell was it like? I mean, it, it would be all, it would be hard to see because <laughs> there's no light. Yeah. But I mean, they come and that, that intrigued me to the point of being like, right. So they're so pissed off after millions of years, billions of years of the universe not being the way they want it. And I'm not talking the world. I'm talking like the planet or our galaxy, the entirety of everything. They wanted to go back the way it was like old grandpas in a chair True. who want everything to go back to the way it was in like 1945. And that, that really intrigued me. See, and that, what I felt was a, a big difference from this movie from the first one was it, this one takes itself a lot more seriously. I think that mm-hmm. first one was... Well, yeah, there's a lot of goofy stuff, but... There is, but not where, nowhere near as much. That the, the first one was kind of goofy aside from, like, it gets serious towards the end. But there was a lot of goofiness in that middle section of the first film. I'm not saying that was bad, but this one doesn't really go to that. It, it has some cheeky one-liners and some... That girl, I could have done without. Yeah, she seemed shoehorned uh. in a little bit, but there again, she was in the first movie. It's, it's, 
you know, his little band of people as well. Like, yeah. yes, they're from the first movie. They weren't in there much, though. They weren't in this one much. Um, but the continuity's good. I, I, I like how it follows on from the Avengers and all that stuff has gone before, so you know. Uh, but, you know, the climax of this film, you know, I'm starting to think all superhero movies, the climax of the film, we just have to trash a city or smash up some landmark or, you know. And this one kind of falls into that a little bit. Well, you have in to, a different you have country, to, you know, you have to though. I don't think you have to. That that's the These thing. These are bad guys who want. If to they all do, they that. want to destroy everything. So, in the process of bringing them down, if you tear up a few buildings, but I did like the um, not the big deal. I did like the. I don't want to spoil, but there's a scenario at the end mm-hmm. where it all comes together, where it's like, wow, the visualization of that, yeah, yeah, is really in- interesting. And there wasn't enough of it. I was like. Yeah, definitely. I want to see more of that. Like, uh, like it is a really interesting concept, but it comes and goes really quickly. And um, slight spoilers. Spoiler, just turn this off if you don't want to hear anything. The climax of the movie was very disappointing again. The, oh, I disagree. The actual finishing blow was like, really? And that's oh, it? I disagree. You're, it's over? You do? Yeah. Just bang and that's it? That wasn't just bank in that. It was like a whole series of things that led up to no, it. No, I mean the end, the actual. F- I know you. I know there's not a lot you can do with bad guys. They can fall off things. We know this, right? Well, there's an infinite. They can be bonked over the head things. or stabbed or shot. Plus, he didn't just get bonked. He got. Yeah, but it, it was caused by a bonk. What no. I'm saying is, I was slightly disappointed by that scene. I wanted a more that epic awesome. battle. Um. And it was epic as in it goes through the things, but it just wasn't long enough. I like a longer battle than that. It, it seemed Ugh, really brief. That is insane. And I know you do, and you would say the opposite because you like yeah, the Yeah, it's shot. the perfect length. And it was a good ending because we got to see that particular weapon used a couple of times. And I was like, whoa! I think I've never seen anything like that. Like a little singularity and that, that's the weapon, like a little tiny one. And then I thought that was a I good think thing. what comes after the credits, the Adon's bit at the end, not the very. There's mm-hmm. two two bits after the credits in this movie, so stay right till the very end. Well, there's one bit in the credits and one bit at the end. Of yeah, the but you, it's still. If you walked out during those animated um, mm-hmm. drawings, you would have missed it. But that bit there with Benicio del Toro, that's really exciting to me. That looks interesting, like, and I like how they're vague on stuff like that. You know, these these the ending of the Avengers one where they're all sat in the cafe. It didn't really. Leave remember. you intrigued in any way. They were just sat in the cafe. They were all dejected after oh, eat, eating burgers or whatever. But this one actually gives you a glimpse of something in what's going to come in these Marvel movies. And I really enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, do stick around at the end. So, um. Or not, because you just told them. Kinda. No, not really. <laughs> there's, not exactly. there's quite a bit to that scene. And if you think about that scene, it's not much to it to me because I don't know anything about it. Yeah, and I do know. Right, about so you're adding stuff to it that isn't there. Right, but if you I go and research it when you're finished with it. Go and research who that character I don't is. Want to. I want no, to see not it. you. The people who people who are listening to this, go and uh, have a look up who that character is if you're not familiar, and you will see literally where these movies are going to. And maybe it's pretty I want to wait for the movie. Maybe and you see do. What's going? Yeah, maybe I'm representing lots. But of if the you're people. a comic book nerd and you've been into these movies, you, you read a lot of Marvel comics. That end sequence would have uh, piqued your interest. It would have. You would have been. Oh yes, that is where I would like to see the Marvel movies end up. So they've set a stage for what's coming. And the next one's like Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and Guardians of the Galaxy. They'll be this year's movies. And they'll definitely, we'll see more of that character. Um, so moving on to the cast of Thor. There's a lot. Chris Helmsworth, Hemsworth plays Thor again. We've seen him just recently in Rush, which I really enjoyed because it was mm-hmm. a dip. I've only really seen him as Thor. It gives me some credibility for him in a weird way. No, I saw him also in... We saw him in that other movie. The He was in the beginning of... Cabin in, Yes, he was in that, on the motorbike. Not um, Cabin Cabin Fever. in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. Not on the motorbike. Uh, whatever. He was just a teenage he jumped boy. He the motorbike over the thing. Right. But, I mean, he was in the whole first... He, he was, was in... He was that like, jockey through. guy, yeah. Yeah. So he was in that. Yeah. Way before Thor. Yeah. And that, he was just... It wasn't way before Thor. 
No, actually, they shelved that movie, remember? So Yeah, for, and waited until he got famous. Yeah, waited, then, but it was really good. Yeah. So, oh, you know what? I'll recommend that. Cabin in the Woods. So, yeah, I think he plays Thor really well. I think he's settled really into it, because this is the third time he's played Thor, because he was in the Avengers. Um, and he seems... And when they showed you some clips in the extras of him in the first one, he seems more into the role in this one. Yeah. Like, like he's grown into it. He knows what to do with it. He knows how to be with it, like... And, I felt that. I think he takes it relatively seriously in terms of let's give this character something other than just being like Mr. Save the World kind of guy. Yeah, so he was, I I really like him. I'm sure we'll see him in more Thor movies and more Avenger movies and this thing's like a... How about other things like Rush? Uh, Natalie Portman um, as Jane Foster reprising a role. She's like my least favorite thing about the Thor thing. And she's a really good actress and she's respected and, and all that. And I love Black Swan and Leon, obviously. Um, but she seems a little bit mismatched for me in this. I'd, even in the other one. I don't know what it is, but I don't care for her that much. Jane Foster? Her playing her. Like, I, I feel in other movies, like, let's say Iron Man, Pepper Potts. I like the character of Pepper Potts, and I like. So then, maybe that's the problem. Gwyneth Paltrow's portrayal is the of problem. Yeah. Jane Foster is kind of nothing. She's supposed to be a scientist. She barely talks about science. She swoons. She for swoons Thor. constantly. Yeah. Even sitting there all digging in her cereal. It's been two whole days. She's, she's very freaking, perfect. She's an astrophysicist mm. who understands about this whole this shit going on. Why is she? Sw- I mean, it it might be she might have um, Mary Jane syndrome, maybe. Like, well, you'd think that, but this wasn't a, it's not about rescuing her ever, not really. I mean, that's a nugget of it, a little mm-hmm. tiny nugget of it. Cause this time there's more to it than that. I know my chair's squeaking. I can't help it. Um, Don't give me the evil eye. Buy me a good chair. <laughs> I have a thing, you may not know this because you don't know us, but I hate every chair that I sit in, so. Yeah, this this, there's usually a little, um, <laughs> Like a little ritual before the podcast, <laughs> you come in with a chair, the chair for the week. You sit on it for, a, I'd say, three or four minutes, and then you say, I hate this chair. I hate this chair. And then I see the chair go out the room, and another chair comes in. <laughs> then you sit on that one, and then you're like, oh, wait, I wish I had a new chair, or whatever. And, and then I, I say to you, why don't you go and buy a new chair? Oh, I don't know, it's too much trouble. <laughs> and then each week you'll keep bringing the chair. This week I didn't change it out, I just gave up. I was like, whatever. But anyway, off topic. So Natalie Portman... She's awesome and everything, but I don't feel she fits in, in this movie. It, it's unfortunate because she's like, you would think on paper she seems right. But in the character, I don't, she doesn't do anything for me. She does a lot of... Gwyneth Paltrow does a lot for me in Iron Man. <laughs> really? No, I mean, she really does. Like, I, 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 you know... And you don't love Gwyneth Paltrow. No, That's and I think she inhabits Pepper Potts and it's... I'm, I like her and everything. There's everything Sometimes about. Sometimes she's nothing. Though. Screen There's been ones where she was kind of nothing, and then that this last one, one she got bigger. Yeah. I think it was. I think she was really good, but she's not doing anything for me at all. And I like Natalie Portman. It's weird. So then Tom Hiddleston plays Loki, um, and I think he is fantastic on a par with Chris Hemsworth. Absolutely, uh, better to me. Yeah. I think Thor's less interesting I favor Thor than Loki. A yeah, yeah, Loki's an interesting... I mean, it's an interesting story, Thor. It's interesting. It's not special. I mean, a lot of Stan Lee's stories are not. They're just None they're of pretty them are. obvious what, what is... This one's all about family dynamics. Yeah, it literally Father is. and son and adopted son, a rescued child, and one now they're not really One son who wants brothers. to be on the throne, one who doesn't... Was supposed to be. Well, he one didn't, who not, could not be, to. but doesn't really want it. Well, that doesn't happen until the end, so you just give away the end. But he's he wanted it. So no, right. I'm talking about in the first movie. Like they, he wasn't ready. That's what I'm saying. One. But I mean, it's a. I don't think Loki even wants the throne. He just wants to dominate it. Yeah, well, he does want the throne. Ultimately, he wants to. He wants to rule everything. Yeah, not just Asgard. That's not enough for him. He's like Darth Vader. So you reckon? Yeah. Um. Hmm. How do you get that? You're doing a lot of Star Wars and connections. He just here. wants to rule the whole thing, like it's it, everything. It, yeah. Um, so it's yeah, he's really good. Um, he intrigue. I I am just like I'm glued to him. My eyes are glued to him whenever he's talking, and then he does that smile. And I like, do oh, agree. Oh, oh. In the extras, how they say they've grown his character throughout the. You can see his character evolving through these three movies. Definitely. Um, 
And in this one, he's, he's pretty bad. Mm. I don't mean bad. I oh, mean, really? There's some bad to him. Uh, you don't think he's bad in this movie? I, I'm not as, talking bad actor. Bad I'm before. talking about a bad That was person. bad before when he wanted to, like, enslave all of humanity. Yeah, I can't trust him at all. You can't trust there him. There were moments where Thor trusted him. I was like, stop trusting him. Please That's trust why. Him. So you just go, no, 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 no. Anthony Hopkins plays Odin. I don't know about him either. <laughs> it's another one where I watch. He's a well-respected actor. But he's... He doesn't bring anything special. No, it's very... I, I like his narration. Like, you know, when he narrates... Uh, he, obviously, that narration sounds very official and... I like that. But the character of Odin, I do think he fits it. But then there's something... I, 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 know what you I can't want. stop thinking of Anthony Hopkins looking at it. And you want somebody who's bigger and kind of more, like, you know, powerful. He's just an old man. Yeah, really. really. He's just an old man, isn't he? Like, it's hard to think of him as... The person to fear and respect as the king of all of Asgard. Yeah. And I can't... The Anthony Hopkins... It just is... It's Anthony Hopkins with a beard and an eye patch. You know what I mean? I <laughs> like so I like to watch some movies where I just forget who's playing that guy. You know? But you can't with that. So can you can't you? forget Queen Amadilla, can you? Not really. Right. No. So, uh, Doctor Who appears as the bad guy. You Kristen. also loved her in Garden State. That was one of your favorite. I really things. like her. There's no. I just don't think she's cast right here. I, I think it should be somebody else. I don't think they should change it now, though. I <laughs> know. But I think it should have been somebody else originally. I don't know who, but she just doesn't seem right. And she, you know, when you see her in extras and stuff, I don't even think she seems that into it. Hmm. She seems. It's just very like I don't know. It's weird. Uh, and then Doctor Who plays a. Uh, Malachy. He won't appreciate that. He will find Eccleston. out that you said that, and he will hunt you down, because that's not what he wants to be associated with. Yeah, so the first of the new Doctor Who's, Christopher Eccleston, he plays the bad guy here. You wouldn't know it was him. I didn't know it was him. he's made up. Till the extras. Yeah, he's... All I, I knew, kept thinking was, I probably know who that you is. You know the reason I knew he was in it? Because I knew he was in it, because I'd seen him promoting it. But I wouldn't have known it was him, just no, looking at... Really because he's made up. It's one of my favorite characters. Seriously, and in I think a long he, he brings something to it. And then when you do know it's him, and you look at it, you can kind of see him. Mm, not really. You can still you see. You can kind of see him in the face if you look at it closely. You can see. I was just looking at one online, like a a, a huge image of his face. You can see his face, but uh, you don't have to. He's do... He's an awesome character because he's he's truly. He's not just your little minion kind of bad guy who wants to like. He's not like a Luke's left. Lex Luthor, or even Darth Vader, who just wants to kind of rule the galaxy. He wants everything to be dark. And that means all of everything that exists, he wants to kill it all. I think that's pretty awesome and when he for talks, a bad guy. When he talks in the extras and stuff, I notice that he is very serious about yeah. anything he does. Yeah. And I could tell he was serious about this. Because he was like, I was discussing with the director how to bring... Yeah. He was talking as though it was the most serious movie he's ever done. Like, And I like that because he, I think he must be like... He's intense, right? Yeah. 28 days later, he even played... You know, he's very intense. The Doctor... Did you get Rousseau on there? I did. Yeah. I'm not I'm not there yet. Good. Though. Zachary Levi plays Fandrell. Now, Zachary Levi um, is one of the bunch mm. of dudes. Um, they mean nothing to me. I'm, I'm just... No, but they kind of, like, I don't know... They're I, just this ragtag band of... Yeah, them. I almost wonder why they even kept them around in this one. Like, any of the scenes with them, if you took them away, I don't think it would matter so much. Well, it would Aside from the fighting and the battle at the beginning. And he's also No, I don't mean that. I, <laughs> I mean, cut the whole thing. Don't have it. I don't mean just take them away. I mean, take those scenes out. I think you could have made this movie without those characters being in it, and it wouldn't have made it any better or worse. Because there's the, you know, this guy. There's Ray Stevenson, who I really like, who plays Volstag. There's, um, and the, what's the girl called? Jamie Alexander, who plays Sif, the three. She's there to be like a sexy chick. It's quite obvious what she's there for. She's a character from the. Well, she kicks a lot of ass. From the, oh, yeah, but she's quite boring, like. Oh, it's, boring. it's quite a boring character. Um, there's the big ba- there's a battle at the beginning where Thor cracks that thing and she's fighting a little bit and it's pest you know cheeky one-liners with Thor, 
it didn't do much for me. I, like I say, I don't know why they kept them around. Maybe because they were fan favorites from the yeah, because they're part of the comic, probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's they're played by Ray Stevenson, Zachary Levi, Jamie Alexander, and then who you like is Idris Elba, who plays um, Heimdall, mm-hmm. and he's like the Watcher. He's called the Watchman or the Watcher, and he basically sta- he's the gatekeeper to Asgard. But he can see out to all. He can see like, everywhere. Yeah, not just see, everywhere. Like see everything. If I if you say to him, Cindy Hayes on planet Earth, he can see me. He can literally see you. Yeah, from. Asgard. So it's it's an insane like, That's why concept I would like to see to that. Where's that going? Yeah, I love the concept of him. And you know what I also love about him? He's this one guy who watches the entire universe to make sure Asgard is protected. And then when Asgard does come under attack, he doesn't just say, oh, armies, armies. He does it himself. Like, <laughs> yeah. He sorts it out. Like He's he's pretty badass. So what, oh, see, I want a movie and know where all the Watchers are. Yeah. How, how are all the different worlds look obviously, like with all the Watchers? Yeah, Do I, we I, have a Watcher? See, that would be interesting to throw into one of the things where he meets our Watcher. Yeah, so, and he, he's good. I really like him. Um, and then Rainy, R- Rene Rousseau plays, um. I was really happy when she Frigga. took up a sword and she got all, like, mama bearish on him. I like yeah. that. She's the mother of, uh, Thor and Loki. Um, she, she was really good. You're making a lot of noise over there on your pants. That'll go alongside <laughs> you making all the noise with your chair. I'm not! So, I stopped moving! So, um,. <laughs> directed by Alan Taylor, and Alan Taylor hasn't directed movies, uh, really, but he is responsible for quite a lot of TV shows. Not responsible for, but he's directed episodes of Game of Thrones. Right. Which might explain some things. Episodes of Mad Men, episodes of The Sopranos, and Deadwood. So, which explains nothing. <laughs> no, I'm just wondering. In relation Game to of this movie. Game of Thrones, this movie obviously has some um, fantasy mm. medieval type elements to it. Um, I don't know about, like, Kenneth Branagh directed the first Thor. And when I he- heard that news before we saw the movie, K- Kenneth Branagh is directing a Marvel movie? That seems very. I've grown up with Kenneth Branagh, and he's obviously. Um, Shakespearean kind of actor. Shakespearean uh, actor slash director. And then. The original Thor was. It didn't. I wouldn't have known it was a Kenneth Branagh film. I don't think it didn't have to. that kind of. Gravity you don't know it's to this it. guy either. This one. I mean, they're just. And that's what I'm getting to. This guy. This movie doesn't have any. Directorial style to no. me. It's just like a Marvel movie. Like it. Like it could have been. It's got no personality, of really, of its own. Other like than it doesn't really it need one, though, does it? It's like. Nope. It's Thor. Then it again, doesn't need fancy gimmicks. Then again, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man is way different than other Spider-Man. Yeah. Now, I like the cinematography in Thor. It's not crazy shaky cam or any of that. It's straight, clear, uh, you know, I like that. And um, the Avengers, were, which was by... Don't know. The guy who did Cabin in the Woods. Mm. Joss, Joss Whedon. His, right. he, he didn't go crazy either. And he does sometimes in his some of his stuff. So, it's like Marvel movies. Yes, they obviously need talented directors, but they almost, you, you can't stamp them. You can't go, oh yeah, that's that guy's movie and that's that guy's Definitely movie. Not. I don't think they feel different. I think, but that's the idea. They're a big universe. Not true, because you said this one seems more serious. So that could be yeah, part down to the director. The script, though, I think, it, more, more than that. Right, but the director has some say over that. But what I'm getting at there is because they're a big universe and they all link together and you could literally sit down and watch them all back to back and they all fit together, they're supposed to be like that, aren't they? So I think that's a good thing, that they don't stamp their own thing on it. Because you don't want some director Why like... Why isn't Spider-Man part of this world? Because somebody else owns the rights to it. Sony. Really? Yeah. But it's Marvel. Yeah. See, Ma- Spider-Man's supposed to be in the Avengers. Right. But he couldn't be in it because of contractual stuff. So if they make an Avengers 2 and that thing gets, that contract is up, maybe he will be in it, right? But he is supposed to be in it. And it kind of feels, oh, it's Spider- it would be better for Spider-Man being in it. Because Spider-Man's awesome, right? Mm. Like, one of the best ones, in my opinion, the superheroes, of the Stanley Marvel ones. I mean, it- He's probably the biggest one, right? Like the, the one that, but most people know Spider-Man. Mm. Yeah. Like, um, and you know he's missing. Like there's no explanation. That no, he's I just missing. now thought of it, so it didn't really impact me till now. <laughs> if you know he's supposed to be there, it's kind of um, mm. odd. So extras on this Blu-ray, 
We um, watched a like a screener cup Blu-ray, but I don't. So I don't have a list of what the extras were. But I can tell you, there's a Marvel one-shot, which there always is on every Marvel Blu-ray, and this one was called "Hail to the King," and I really liked it because it's like having a lot of fun with a character that you will know from Iron Man three, and that's the Mandarin, the Mandarin in quotation marks. Gandhi, the Mandarin. Yeah, and <laughs> it's. Really funny. It is good. It's yeah. good though too. It's also a little bit. It's also yeah. It was really good. Like it. It was unlike the other Marvel one shots that they've done. Like I really liked the one with from Captain America, mm-hmm. where she thought, went and did her. I thought yeah. that one was really cool. But um, this one's unlike all those. They've even it's they made it seem like a seventies um like the. The credits at the beginning, it's almost like a grindhouse movie, like where they put it up on the, and they say in Technicolor at the bottom. It's kind of... But it wasn't set in the 70s or anything. It's not, but that's the style. Even the end credits. Oh, just the credits, not the movie yeah. itself. Yeah, and the, um, there's a section in the middle of the movie. It's like a 10 minute movie where, uh, they show like an old 70s KGB cop show. Mm. And they kind of give the the book and the credits and the end credits and the four credits like that kind of vibe. It was the eighties, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Well, no, it felt seventies. The credits feel. He 70s. said it was nineteen eighty five when yeah. he did it. The credits feel seventies. Watch those credits. The way they do that mm-hmm. stamping the. Title. It doesn't affect the thing itself at all. So it's set in modern time and. It's no, just, I, but yeah. because it bookends it, it gives you this vibe. Like it's like watching Pulp Fiction. Like the the credits and the end credits give you a vibe of the entire thing. Right. Oh, I disagree. But. And Grindhouse also does. Like, it, the way they do the credits is an homage to something that exists, right? And that's what they've done here with this. Doesn't mean the content in the middle mm-hmm. is an homage. I'm saying but the book ending is. But um, it's a comedy, really. It's it's It fits exactly with the character from Iron Man 3, if you've watched I Iron Man I didn't feel like 3. it was a comedy, either. I thought it was quite serious, because the way it... Yeah, but it around. gives Ben Kingsley, like... He gets to be. I felt it was more funny. tragic than funny, to be honest. Yeah, but he's got loads of funny lines in it. I actually don't really find that kind of stuff funny, but I thought it was yeah, really funny. Yeah, I felt funny like it was, it's it. just doomed. If you've seen Sexy Beast, it's almost like he's that character from Sexy Beast, um, but less foul-mouthed. He's playing with it, like. But there again, that character Trevor is a very, you know, just he's a dude actor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really fun. I highly recommend. I like seeing those. I'm almost excited when a movie finishes, any Marvel movie. I'm excited to see the one shot thing. So there's that. There's some deleted scenes. There's a gag reel. And then there's a making of, which is in two parts, which I didn't really. It was alright. It's alright. But that's exactly what it is, right? I mean, I Because don't... it doesn't delve enough into the behind the scenes. It's basically like, it's going, here's the story of, the entire story of the movie, from like the opening scene to the end scene. We'll talk you through it, what happens. And occasionally we'll show you. But they didn't really show you how the special effects were done or any of that so stuff. So you know already, pretty much. We know how stuff gets done now. Yeah, but for me, a person who likes screen. to see that, they didn't deal with that. But it would be more green screen, more wire work, more training, more dots. Right, but I want to see motion that. capture. But you've seen it. And all no, not for this people. one, I'm not. <laughs> I know, but it's always the same. Yeah, but I like it. But it's always the same. You're not learning anything. And this different. one, all they did was like take you through the movie. Like, almost like somebody is watching the movie at the side of you and saying, and this part, we did th- this is happening, and this is about... Because lo- partially, the first half of this making of is about the brotherhood mm-hmm. of Loki and Thor. So, they- But everybody involved talks. Natalie Portman, not a lot. Well, I noticed, just a little bit. But yeah, it's it's good, but I could have done with more behind the scenes, um, fly on the wall type. That's what I like, where, you know, give Hemsworth a camera and just let him be on the set and show us what happens day to day. I like that stuff. And there wasn't any of that. Um, so that's it for extras. It's a, it's a good bunch of extras, similar to what you find on all the other Marvel Blu-rays. Um, so in conclusion, what do you reckon? Thor The Dark World. I liked it. I do too, and I, I'm just a fan of the Marvel movies. I almost, I was gonna say, like, I like some better than others, but when I think about it, I don't, I just like them all. Like, I don't come away from one going, uh, that wasn't. Never? 
Not the Marvel ones, no. I have with the Spider-Man, um, that new Spider-Man. I'm with thinking Andrew. maybe at least one of the Hulk movies you have come away going, uh. Oh, obviously that <laughs> yeah. Ang Lee one. But th- exactly. that isn't part of... That was before this all started. Yeah, but it, it started with... It's a Marvel movie. It was yeah. before they had their own studio. The second Hulk I liked a lot. The Edward Norton one. Yeah. I thought that one fit. And then the Hulk changed again. Yeah. And he was Ruffalo. Yeah. Ruffalo. And now I think he's going to be somebody else. Oh I don't my think God. he might be involved anymore. Why does anyone want to be Dr. David Banner? For nobody, hates, nobody likes the Hulk or something. Uh, I mean, nobody respects the Hulk. Give him some respect. So, thank you to Marvel and Disney for the Blu-ray. I really enjoyed it. I, if you're into comic books, you've probably already seen it. And if you're not into comic books, then it might not be your thing. But I'm, I'm not in comic books and I like it, so I think that true. was not a correct statement. So, if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. You can win a copy of Diana on DVD, which is the uh, story of Lady Diana, if you're into the royal family. And next week's Blu-ray review will be Catching Fire, the second in the Hunger Games movies. And uh, I'm excited to see that, because uh, I really enjoyed the first one and read all the books. I don't know how you were on the first one. kind of liked it. Kind of liked it, but I felt like it was one of those movies that was told to the people who wrote the book, read the books. Right, so maybe things will be addressed. There's a new director, and it's... Uh, well, it's too late now. I mean, I've not read any of the books, and the first one already skipped over lots of things that would have been helpful to a person who has no interest in reading the books, and I think they'll just keep going that direction. If it's just singularly good in, in and of itself, without me needing to know what happened before, and without me needing to know what happens after, that'll be awesome. So we will see that next week, Catching Fire. So movie recommendations, I am going with, based on Thor, as usual, based on whatever the movie is, I'm going for Captain America, because it's one of my favourite. Um, aside from the weird re- yeah. head replacement at the beginning. I was going to say, you have to accept that that's really bad. Which I just accept now. And it's not <laughs> It's not a ton of the movies, you know. And uh, I just love the 1940s vibe, and I like the whole seeing Tony Stark's father and all. I love all that stuff in that movie. I think it's really good Marvel storytelling. You know, like how they all link together. Um, I like Captain America, the actual character. And I love the ending of Captain America, the movie. I think it's an awesome ending. It's like, it's one of those, um, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, kind of endings. So that's how it happened. Yeah. Uh, And then my other one is Unbreakable, which is... I found a link to the Marvel movies from Unbreakable that Samuel L. Jackson sure. in a superhero movie. Um, it's a superhero movie. It's M. Night Shyamalan. It's really good. And it's, I loved it. It's not a typical superhero movie. It's a low-key... Low-key <laughs> kind of movie. Um, Bruce Willis. Yeah, but it's an excellent story. But it it's, really is. It's, it's as far away from how Marvel would do a story as you could possibly get. It's compact and small, but it really makes sense. And it's got Robin Wright, who I love. Yeah, it's really awesome. It's a good movie. Unbreakable. So, yours are? Mine are. I forget now. Blindness. Because I want to think, I wanted to think of a movie where a woman either saves somebody or does something and she's the catalyst for making everything right. Because it's very hard in the Marvel world. You have peripheral female characters who are always kind of there doing their thing to contribute, but no one's ever top of the food chain saving the universe. So blindness to me... It's Julianne Moore. Yeah, totally nothing to do with superhero movies whatsoever, but she is, in essence, like, the she doesn't resolve the issue, but she's sort of the, you know, the lead of the whole thing, and it's really good. Anyway, it's creepy, and it's gross, and it's terrible. It's really good. It's kind of Ruffalo. Based on a book. Yeah, there's a Ruffalo connection. Yeah, it is Ruffalo. uh... (laughs) Oh my god, they're all... It's like very incestuous, isn't it, Hollywood? They just keep doing movies together. And um, my other one is Alien, because there we go. There's a woman who is threaded throughout. She doesn't ever end up saving the universe, but she's the head of it all, which I love Alien. And what is her name? I feel like I really want... Ripley. What is her full name? I don't know her first name. She's Lieutenant... Ellen Ripley. Ellen Ripley. I never True. knew, but I love alien movies. It makes me want to watch them all over again. We should. We should. And then my other one, I'm going to add Kevin in the Woods, because it was a total shock and a total... I had the same experience oh, oh, with oh, Kevin oh. in the Woods. Kevin in the Woods. I won't say what it is. It's but... Link to Marvel movies. Joss Whedon and Chris Hemsworth. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Whoa, they are all connected. They're all connected. Everything <laughs> <is> connected. <laughs> and in Kevin in the Woods... Yeah. Everything's connected anyway, so that's sure. really, that's a really good one. Oh, and Ellen Ripley. 
Correct. Ooh. Weird. There's going to be some more in there soon. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, so those are my recommendations. Okay, so games and A-Scully stuff this week. I've been playing... Uh, well, you've been playing one game and I've been playing another. I've been playing the map pack for Call of Duty. Uh, for Ghosts. one day. Well, one a couple day. of days. Um, so it came out on Thursday, the map pack. Um, it contains four new maps and a new alien extinction mode. Like, it, they, they're building on that aliens invasion part. Hold of... on, I thought it came out yesterday. No, Thursday. Right. But you were downloading it yesterday. No, I was downloading a patch yesterday. Oh, annoyingly. Okay. But, um, it's, uh, four new maps, two new guns, and a brand new alien chap- chapter in the alien infestation story. Um, four new maps are really cool. One of them, for the first time ever in Call of Duty, is based... It's not even based in the Call of Duty world. What they've done is they've took a map and they've took two horror movies that people love, Halloween and The Evil Dead, and they have merged them into a map. So the map's called Fog. It's a multiplayer map. And... You are, you know, you're just Call of Duty soldiers. It's not like they took, there's no story to the map. But in the map is the Evil Dead cabin. There is... It looks really good. Some of the stuff from Halloween is in there. There's lots of little Easter eggs in the map. It's like a, the woods from Evil Dead are in it with the weird spiky trees. The bridge bridge, from Evil Dead is there. And there's lots of little things when you look around the map. You can, the main house is the Evil Dead cabin. And all, you know, people kind of hide in there, ready to shoot you. But you can go underneath the ground and up through the trapdoor where she, we're going to get you, girl comes up. And you can mm-hmm. come up through the trapdoor and, like, just appear in the room and they're all like, ah. So it's based on the horror movie. And now the big twist of it is there is a kill streak in the map. So when you get a certain amount of kills or whatever, one, a, bo- a body will drop a briefcase. When you pick the briefcase up, it, there will be some orders inside the briefcase. So the orders might say, if you can get three headshots in this life, something cool will happen. So you do, you get the three headshots, and then you turn into Michael Myers from the movie Halloween. And you're actually him. And the music from Halloween, that really creepy music, when somebody gets this kill streak, everybody hears that music all of a sudden. And it replaces the background noises, and it's just this... Halloween music. Okay. So you know Michael Myers is coming. And the, the funny thing is, if you are Michael Myers, you can take tons of bullets. It's like you're, you're inhuman almost. And all you've got well, is yeah. a, you've got an axe. <laughs> and that's your only weapon as Michael Myers. You're this big lumbering dude with an axe that can take a lot of shots and you can axe people. Like it, it's like a horror movie, like all of a sudden. So it seems really funny because it's like not Call of Duty universe. Because Call of Duty used to be all this serious. This is warfare. This is Middle East. But this is just this bizarre kind of map. And it's really fun. And the other three maps are not as inventive as that. They're just war zones of different types. One of them's on a pier. And the, the novel thing is, you know those like um, trams that run up and down piers to take people around? There's one of them that moves and it stops at stations. You can jump on it and lie down and it moves and it goes around the map. And people sometimes might not know you're on it because you lay down and you can pop up and get them. There's that. There's another map where a space shuttle is it's a launch facility for the space shuttle. And during the game when you're all fighting each other, the space shuttle takes off. And then it cra- it explodes in midair, and then all the pieces fall into the map, and it changes the layout of the map because the pieces are all over the place. That's kind of morbid. Well, well since that's really happened in real life, it is. But it's actually rooted in the story of Call of Duty because there's if you mm. if you played Ghost, there is a level that takes place in the space shuttle, and it's kind of supposed to be during that incident. Right, yeah. Um, and then there's also a map where. You're in a church in Brazil. It's like a big church, and there's it's they're interesting because they're a lot different to the maps that came with the game. Um, so that's out now. It's called Onslaught, and um, it's not that cheap. It's fifteen dollars for the pack, which I think you keep edging it up there. I think it's quite a lot for four maps. I think it should be ten, but that's just me. But you'll still buy it. Uh, you buy it if they charge you twenty five dollars. And we've been play- also been another game this week called Banished. 
and you've been playing that. I bought it for you. Um, it was on sale for five dollars on um, goodoldgames.com. Even though it's a brand new game, I don't understand that. But what's banished? Um, it's like a god. Not is it like a god game? No, not really. Kind of, sort of, where you there's a bunch of people in the beginning of the map, beginning of this thing. And then you have to have them build houses and find ways to make food. And they're kind of in the countryside. They've been banished. To I was going to say it's like SimCity, but it's not. No, not at all. It's kind of like black and white a little bit because you're looking after But it people. isn't really because I haven't figured out yet. There's a formula always to these. There's a formula to SimCity. There isn't really to The Sims because The Sims I have no problem with being successful probably because they have a lot of cheat codes. But... There's got to be a formula that you hit across where it's like, well, you've got enough hunting and you've got enough fishing and you've got enough gardening and you've got enough um, building and you've got the tailor and you've got the herbalist and the doctor. You know, it's because it's old timey kind of. Yeah, it's like old. But there doesn't seem any other way to succeed except for when you hit their formula. So that's always an issue that I have because I've tried it like four or five different times. And you always fail miserably unless I hit upon this exact thing. Is there random elements, though? Mm-mm. Just weather. I mean, weather is seasons. You go through the seasons, it gets snowy, and it tells you that it's early spring, and then you know that when you've got crops, they'll be growing their crops. And Somebody I was talking to who played it this week said that they got, like, really far in, and then a flood took the entire place I turned disasters out. off. Oh, so you I will not have that. any disasters. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> I don't like unexpected things. Now, the reason you know I would like it is because there's no enemies... There's no fighting. The enemy's no, just the element. There's right. no defending anything, which I always think is really boring. So I just like to build stuff. And I said it's like lemonade stand. Once you find the right business model, basically, for your town to succeed, then you can go on to design your... I mean, it's kind of hard to design at first because everybody, I, everyone dies for me. Everyone freezes to death and they starve to death, no matter what I do. It's oh, um, got the hiccups. it's a cool. Uh, that what I really liked about it is it's made. It was made by one guy. It's super polished. Like everything about it is. It, it's really small download. First off, it's like less than a hundred megabytes. I need to email him though and tell him that there has to be a way to have a vegetarian village. Yeah, and it's super polished, and um, the graphics are really good. It's real smooth. It runs really well, and it's amazing from one guy. Yeah, because like. Sometimes these indie games, because that's what it's classed as, they're very unpolished because they've not got resources to make something awesome. This seems like a game that you would pay full price for. It seems like a, to me, like a SimCity game or whatever. Mm, maybe not necessarily like that, no. It, it feels, I mean, it looks the part, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but it also feels kind, you know, a little bit limited like that. If Once I figure out the balance, then there'll be no more challenge they'll just be the fun of kind of creating and it's kind of i don't like anything that i have to use the keyboard on hardly and there's lots of keyboard commands because i think that's kind of old school you can configure everything onto the uh you could put them on the side buttons on you can't it, what i mean is it's got remap i looked it. i didn't see that well, I, thought you, again. I thought you could just like press like i want this and then press your mouse button and then... i don't think so i didn't see it but i'll look I but thought, I do enjoy it, and I can lose many hours of my life on it. That is for sure. Trouble is, it's not $5 anymore. It's $20. It's on <laughs> Steam if you want to get it. But, yeah, it'll probably be in the sale eventually. It is a really new game. I was surprised because a friend of mine bought it for $20 last week, and then I saw it for $5. I was like, whoa. So, yeah, that's uh, But thank banished. you for thinking of me and getting it for me. You've played it quite a bit this week. I have. I'll play it again later. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention this week is another death in the uh, film community, and that's Harold Ramis, who died this week. I'm not entirely sure how he died. I've tried, I've looked. There's conflicting things when you read different reports, and then most of them kind of don't say anything. Some say natural causes, some say, you know what I mean? It so he, he just died. died anyway. But the, the tie he has to us <laughs> is. He's so sweet. Well. He directed the movie Groundhog Day, and our love of movies together, we decided to get married on Groundhog Day because of that movie <laughs> yeah. that he directed, which I still think is one of the best movies of all time. Aww. No, I'm... I'm I know I'm, what you're saying. But it's a romantic, kind of sweet movie. There's some movies that stick with me for my entire life. One's Groundhog Day, one's The Truman Show, one's Magnolia, 
Punch Drunk Love is there too. There's and the Groundhog Day, an amazing movie. Not just Groundhog Day though. Harold Ramis, you know, is obviously in Ghostbusters, and he directed Stripes. lots of movies. Yeah, um, it's it's another sad one, like Out of the Blue. Just but it's yeah, how most people die. But it made most me think people. of made me think of Groundhog Day, and uh, you wish you'd thanked him before he was dead. And finally, it's Oscar weekend, so tomorrow night's the Oscar ceremony. Oh, yeah, I need to leave work early, don't I? Uh, it starts at 7.30. Oh, well, I'll get here just in time. Yeah. Subway uh, Sunday, Oscar Sunday. Da-da. I actually, um, <laughs> last week, found my... Um, I've got some high-definition rabbit ears. And I wired oh, them... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wired them up. Uh, they're the high-definition. Old-fashioned high-definition rabbit ears. Well, they're the actual HDTV rabbit ears. I mean, old-fashioned yeah. is so funny. <laughs> Well, they kind of are. So I put them behind. You can't see that they're there. They're behind the TV. Now we can actually watch the local stations. So we can see the Oscars live. Yeah, and we'll be watching all the commercials, which you hate. Hate, hate. I don't mind with something like the Oscars, because it's a very stop-starty kind of thing anyway, isn't it? Like, you know? We can get up and go to the toilet. Yeah. Um, and it lasts, what, four hours if you watch it with commercials, I guess? Mm. 7.30 till 11.30, maybe. But anyway, Sunday night is, like, Oscar night, but then also True Detective night. I'm still annoyed because you didn't make the effort for us to see all the movies. We've seen... I'll get over it. Two so far? Yeah, two out of like 20. We're actually um, talking of Oscar movies. Um, Nebraska we've got coming up. That'll be one of them. The Wolf of Wall Street, I've just got the... We'll see these after the Academy Awards. True, but... Uh, if so it means not nothing when you're watching it during the Academy Awards. It's like, I don't know who should win. Because I haven't seen Oh, it. I don't... That's not why. I like to watch it just to see, like... I like the tributes. I like the... You know? I don't... I've never seen all the movies for the Oscars when it's been on. There's always, like, uh, movies where... I had about five years there in my late 20s where I made the effort to see... I saw, like, every movie anyway because I just went to the movies all the time. Like, I would go to the movie theater and get the first one, like, at 9.45 in the morning and stay until the last bus would be leaving the area, and I'd be out there, like, by 9.15 at night and just watch every movie in a row. I could coordinate, you know, different ones and see them all. Well, we're going to see a bunch of them, because funnily enough, the the um, Blu-rays seem to come out after the Oscars, and we know why. We said mm-hmm. previously it's because they want to stick the sticker on the front. That Somebody's says, in a factory somewhere right now with a sticker on their finger already that says, on the Wolf of Wall Street or whatever, right? Academy Award winner. <laughs> it's just waiting to get stuck on everybody. And then then that's when they ship them because you get the sticker that says Academy Award nominee or the yep. one that says Academy Award winner. That's like it. Gravity last week, that had a sticker on the front saying Academy Award nominee, right? And that did come out In before. two weeks, if it wins. It'll it'll have have yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's it for my news this week. Sid Tart, what's for dinner? What is for dinner tonight is your request of a high V pizza, which is just vegetarian pizza. They make the dough, they throw it together, we get all the raw veggies, it's all raw. It's pretty good. Bake it at home, so I don't have to mess with it. And then some kind of vegetables, I don't know what yet. Maybe some soup. I got some pea soup. Oh, that would be good. Yes. Yeah, pea soup. Pea soup. I love that stuff. Always reminds me of The Exorcist. And some homemade... Uh, theirs wasn't like ours. Ours is like a smooth <laughs> pea soup. That one was like chunky pea soup. Um, and homemade cookies, which are in the fridge right now, ready to be baked. My and advice And your advice is, for the people of this world? For the people of this world, you go to work every day. Well, some of you go to work. Five days a week. I go to work. I have 12-hour shifts. The, uh, the point is, you go to work, and there are probably other people there. Depending on the context of your job. Because I understand some people have jobs that by the nature of the pressure, it can be quite miserable. I get it. However, it's also miserable because partially in your own mind. Do you think an undertaker is miserable? Actually, I know an Undertaker who's not miserable. So, and he doesn't call himself an Undertaker, but um, he is not miserable. He is a very well balanced, kind of funny, kind of quirky, but he is not miserable. He's very serious, but he's not miserable at all. So, no, I don't think death means equals misery. And if we're talking, if that's the extreme you're thinking of, then people sitting on their ass all day in a fucking cubicle, tippity typing on a computer, there is no reason to be miserable. And I'm talking about people. All kinds of genres of jobs where your job is really just sort of like a daily functioning task after task after task and you have meetings and you do stuff and by the end of it you get your paycheck. And if there's someone at your job 
who is not miserable like you might be. You know, you might be the person, and there's a lot of you, who's like, oh, another day, another dollar. Same shit, different day. Well, I guess I'll, guess I'll just get through the day. Can't wait to lunch. Can't wait till we get done with the day. I love and that And there's impression. this miserable... That's because I hear it all the time. This, like, dopey, sad, poor me. And I said to one guy the other day, because I, you know, I don't always have a stop sign between my brain and my mouth. And I said, he said something about, you know, I have to be at work. I guess you don't have to be at work, here at work again until, well, whenever. And I said, um, I don't really consider this hard work. And I turned around, and he was sitting in a chair on his ass, looking at the computer. And I said, you are sitting on your ass at a computer. You're doing your job. It's not that difficult. Why are you being so miserable? And the other guy kind of laughed, and he crisscrossed his arms like, oh, I want to see how this pans out. And I said, seriously, why do you always have something negative to say? Your job is not hard. You work for 12 hours, you make more. You make twice as much money as a lot of people do. And you don't do diddly squat. Anything hard to earn it. Why are you complaining all the time? And he's like, well, I, uh, and he's younger. He's like half my age, you know, but he's one of those. Like in his brain, when you get in the car, here's what I think people think. If I'm not at home doing whatever I want, which funny enough for this particular person is sitting on his ass at the computer all the time, right? That's all he does. So either he's at work doing it or he's at home doing it. Not to mention, everyone has our own distractions at work. We're not all perfect creatures, you know. And I just think, if I come along and say, but work is not that bad. Like, it's not bad at all. In fact, you get paid a lot of money. We're in a comfortable situation. Um, no one's pressuring us all the time. Why think of it as a bad thing? I don't get it. I don't get it. But people try to make you miserable along with them. Right. They try to point out. Other people, you know, last week I met some people I'd never met before from different groups from our, where we work. And, um, I was like, no, it's awesome. You know, I just like, I tidy up everything. I clean everything when I get into an area. I mean, I clean it. I get the Clorox wipes out and the Lysol. I clean up everything before I get started on a project or something. And you get this like, ugh, like you're awfully uh, ambitious kind of attitude and, then it's followed by, well, you're going to make us look bad, you know? And I think to myself, yeah, because you just want to sit there and be miserable all freaking day when someone else comes along. I, you know, I like, I don't know. I have a different attitude because I don't take on the pressures of things. Sometimes things get thrown at you and it's stressful. And then I just sort of bounce it off. I get on with it. I find that a lot of what makes people miserable at work is a fear of something Fear of doing a mistake. Fear of getting caught doing something they're not supposed to be doing. So that they try to, you know, sneak around and do things. And then they're always afraid they're going to get caught. Fear of getting fired. Fear of getting in trouble. Fear of the boss coming around the corner on all that. And I couldn't give a shit about any of that. I truly don't care. If I'm standing there with my tablet in my hand and sending you a message which I do sometimes at my job, you know, tell it to send you a little Facebook message. And the director of my department would come around the corner and say, hey, what are you doing? I would turn it around and say, send my husband a message because he's asking me something or whatever. And that's it. I have no fear of anything. So I think that makes me happy at work. Like I'm actually happy to be there. They pay me quite a bit of money in my estimation. And... I get good at things. I learn things all the time. Like this past week, I've learned a lot more computery things than I've ever known. And that makes me feel satisfied and happy. But other people, you might be one of the people who's miserable at work and you're a downer and you complain and you bitch and you moan and you want to bring, you see somebody who comes along and they don't seem to have that kind of bad attitude and you, like, you want to dig your claws into them and drag them down. Now, I'm not talking about happy, happy person who hums and whistles and shit all the time because that drives me crazy. So there's a level of happiness that I can't even stand. But next time someone comes along and they actually have a good attitude about work, and you, your first reaction is to kind of like, I'm going to put this person in their place. Just think about it. And maybe you need to change your attitude. So thank you for the advice, Sito. We will <laughs> live by that. And well, I'm just saying, be much better. I live it. You know, I live it. I don't let 
Life is too short to be miserable in a place where they're paying me to be there and do the tasks. So. And I'm not talking about people who have, like, really difficult jobs, like saving lives and soldiers and, like, brain surgeons or even, like, people that I think have a really hard job, like taxi drivers and waitresses. Those are hard jobs. To me, those are really hard jobs with lots of stress. And yet, you come across people in those jobs who have a fantastic attitude. They get out, You can have a waitress who's totally bogged down. All the work's been dumped on her. Nobody else showed up for work. And yet, this one particular waitress happens to be, like, ah, happy and, you know, good at her job. And no, that's just food for thought. <laughs> All right. So, let me... <laughs> End of let me remind you about our websites, aschoolie.com, sitsaw.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, iTunes Music Store, RSS feed. Just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, or stitcher.com. We're also on there. You can email me at aschoolie at aschoolie.com. Don't email Sidtalk. She does not want to hear any of it. And I can assure you, if you ever have a chance, if at some point in the life, at the end of your life, you've got even five minutes to think back on your life before you're dead, you're not going to be thinking about your job. So why do you take it so seriously now? And stay classy, <laughs> Mr. Harold Ramis. Oh. I will always watch your movie Groundhog Day until the day I die. Oh. Not every day, of course. <laughs> well, Not- <laughs> on our anniversary, which happens to be Groundhog Day. Oh, you could watch it every day to emulate what, what's happening in the movie. <laughs> but I hope no one ever remakes it. No, it doesn't need it. Really does not need it. Okay, so, uh, yes. Goodbye. That's it. Think for yourselves, people. Uh, because if you don't do it, someone's going to do it for you.